slip into your sex sexiest ASMR voice. All right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Your surfer voice. That's what we want. Yeah. Eddie, I never knew you had a last name. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I obviously, right? But you're you're H2 Ocean Eddie. I think I thought Eddie was your last name. Well, might have been H2 Ocean, really. And with that, let me say, let me welcome my guest, Eddie from H2 Ocean. Co co-host or cocos. How am I saying this? Kolos, Hungarian. Kolos. Oh, I was figuring it was Greek. Yeah. Hungarian. People do think that it's Greek, you know? So uh, I always have to tell them it's Kolos in Hungarian. That's the way you would say it. But it's, it's Hungarian. Both my mom and my father were Hungarian. Moved from Hungary to uh, New York. Didn't know each other and then married and had me in Florida. So I'm a Florida native. They met in New York, though they both emigrated from Hungary. Yeah. Must have been like they were they were going to the same um civic Hungarian, centers or something. Hungarian restaurant. No, maybe some friends that they knew they were Hungarian, they met that way. That's awesome. And the long and short of it, eventually we come down to Florida somehow, and little Eddie is born and he decides he loves the ocean. Yeah, definitely. How old were you when you fell in love with the ocean? I think um, basically until I kind of remember back as far back as I possibly can in my life. Um, who wouldn't love the ocean? I mean, especially in mm -hmm. Florida here with the warm weather, nice breeze, good sand to play in. Born in Miami and then uh, basically uh, lived in Pompano Beach, kind of close to the beach. Uh, and surfing down there? Surfing down here, too, is yes. A big fishing spot, too. Uh, a lot of professional fishermen, good friends of mine. Snorkeling. Snorkeling. Scuba. Diving, yeah. Kiteboarding. You've been on one of them. Um, you've been on one of them Mark Zuckerberg hydrofoil surfboards yet? Like Silver Surfer floating above the waves? I have not, man. I have not. looks pretty cool, but uh, that kite thing... Um, I'd practice that out there too, as well. And uh, a friend of mine, he got really hurt badly. Um, that's a long story, but how know. by flying too high, or he did some Icarus stuff? He launched off of his boat. Uh, a wind caught his his um kite his there kite and threw him right back, picked him up about 40 45 feet, picked him back up, turned him towards Put the boat, and put his his rib and his back right up against the side of the boat. And while his wife was eight months pregnant, he was oh, man. His mouth and everything. She had to start the boat up and get him back to the hospital. He was getting surgery and she was giving out a baby at the same time. Very good friend of mine. Who was, was All that excitement put her into labor. Oh yeah, man. You know, like he almost lost his life. And then I, I got thrown on the beach one time with that damn kite. And I was okay. like, I, I've broken many bones. I'm an extreme sports guy. But then I just, even though I had a good deal, probably come from him, um, I just thought, man, that's an expensive sport to get fucked up on. Right. You know? yep. <laughs> man, I see them kites. And actually, that's where I was going because up here in Michigan, I bet 
I bet the winds in Michigan aren't going to be like they are off the ocean, though, too. I bet the Great Lakes probably wouldn't be nearly as gnarly. I for think doing it. we have a steady wind over here. We probably get these gusts that just kind of could turn on you really quick. Right. Yeah. What about hang gliding and all that? I mean, you've caught, you've traveled the world. You say you're an extreme sport enthusiast. Is that led you? Planes like uh, three times. Um, I wanted to hand glide. I did not do that. Um, you know, that seems like the ultimate rush, but man, that's scary as fuck. Man, how I do you feel? Even you know, just kind of exploring. I went into the lava tubes of uh, Hawaiian islands all the way for about i'd say three football fields long walking in the dark down deep into the earth where it actually ended into like a v and at the very end had like a little like almost a wave looking look looking like a wave in the the wall of the lava flow took a picture at the end but we had to climb down like cliffs over cave-ins it was you know daring time to do spelunking it. jumping off that was, that's what it's called right spelunking yeah yeah okay it's it's dangerous how they found ruby falls feeling yeah. around in the dark i don't know that i'm um that's I'm, i feel claustrophobic like i already don't like it oh man I've, I've been in some caves i got some places in georgia deep deep caves yeah it's crazy where mm. you squeeze your body in and you're wondering if the earth moves or dead, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly that. One, one fault line or one, uh, tide comes in and your whole soccer team stuck inside of a cave system somewhere. Yeah. Can't imagine, you know, some of those guys that did it exploring with like one of those lanterns that you would have to mm-hmm. like back in the pirates days, just light it and hope you don't run out of fuel because once yeah. you're in deep, I mean, you shut off the the flashlights, even in that that uh, any of those caves or that lava tube. You know, you can't even see your hand in front of your your face, even if you're touching your nose. It's that dark. I, I don't want to stick on this forever, no. but it is a fear of mine. So you got me excited. Some, I'm not a, I'm not good about being in places, but if if you like tight corners, but have you been in uh, the Ruby Falls or whatever? uh through georgia yeah it's it's just a tourist place to you it's probably nothing you know but when yeah. you go through there you have to imagine what that first spelunker was going through back way back before they had battery powered lights or like right. you said lanterns days then, feeling around in the darkness then him going to get his wife and saying hey come on honey i found this like hole we're gonna go uh yeah. else that thing's like how long? It's yeah, I want to. I want to show it to you. It's really beautiful. It's only beautiful if you shine the lights on. It. I guess it's pretty beautiful. It's an, it was it was amazing. I'm glad he carved it out so that I could dare to get down there. But I'm not. I'm not like you. I'm not a Batman spelunker. <laughs> but moving on from that, let's get back to the love of ocean because H two Ocean is the product that you are the head of and that I was able to witness and many people from my era are familiar with the tattoo aftercare industry's expansion if you will but at one point for us there was a green jar of waiting bacteria that you would sell to every customer that with 
score instructions. They would put bio into it and then re-rub bio on them and share it with their friends called Tattoo Goo. And then a few other companies had like their version of that. But it really never so opened up. I am <laughs> the inventors of aftercare. Um, the very first body piercing aftercare in the world. Um, and the second all natural tattoo, or actually the very first all natural, but the second tattoo aftercare. Tattoo goo was before me, but like you yeah. said, it's called goo. Who would want to <laughs> goo on you? And then also stick your it finger and cross contaminate, put it on a bloodborne open wound. Stick it back in there, contaminate that thing, which I'm against. Yeah. You know? Inside of your pocket. It's made to go around for the day, and it seemed convenient. But at the convenience, as as we learned more about it, I mean, when I first started out, you know, we weren't too, I wasn't too educated. And, and a lot of the industry wasn't so much either. A lot of it was myth and theories. And, uh, and then when we became more educated, we realized we were giving people this tin. It would go in their dirty pocket where they put their change and their keys and their grubby fingers. And then they would pull it out and usually not have a sink around. So they would stick a dirty finger in there and they would rub it on their tattoo. Then they would take whatever bio from their tattoo and put it right back inside of this tin of, uh, Organic material, yeah, that is going to allow bacteria to spread inside of it. I don't believe there was anything that really was killing the bacteria in there. And if there was, it feels like that might be more detrimental to your um, skin. At any rate, we eventually learned that. And I think, is that what brought you to it? Did you see the same? You you made the aftercare for piercings first. Right. I'm, what, were you going surfing and all your uh, all your penis piercings healed up in a day? Yeah, not really, but <laughs> basically, uh, that was a cut, uh, a cold, um, you know, even like the snot would come out of your nose very easily and you'd be clean, um, breathing for that night. If you had any kind of problems with your, your breathing, um, the ocean's got so many powerful things that it could be used for, for healing your body. I mean, we're all made up of 70% salt water. Um, mm. I, took this idea after working with Suncare and a suntan lotion company called Australian Gold. Uh, I was there for like seven years and I got a lot of knowledge of distribution, natural products, what to do, what not to do. A lot of mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. That's what I would say. And I learned from their mistakes. And when I went in creating this uh, ocean product, I already had so much knowledge about uh, marine biology and about skincare, about distribution, just from all the different jobs I had. And I had some marine biology background from going to college for two years, but just made so much money after I never went back to college. So I always wanted to go back. So it did not really work out for my idea to become like the number one first aid spray in the world and try to introduce it to like the doctors that were doing surgeries and stuff. And I got <laughs> to the piercing world and the piercing world at that time, uh, that was about 20 years ago, a friend of mine, um, his wife was a nurse and their, her doctor also said, you know, you're going to need to do some clinical studies. They can't really bring it in. There's, you know, it's impossible to get it into the hospital or even a doctor to, 
to uh, use it, no matter if it's sterile or not, you know, and I knew about, you know, the, the why is that because of corporation shit? I mean, why would it be impossible to get in a hospital if it's sterile? Um, because they have like formularies and there's, you know, steps, the, the doctors go to their school for 10 years or plus, and they learn everything out of the books. If it's not written in the book, they don't believe it. So they don't so you, think outside the box. I gotcha. So I think outside the box and the mentor mind thinks of everything to make life easier, not harder. And just kind of like Tesla and everything else, the light bulb. Um, basically, they might have this idea, but everyone copies a good idea. So basically, H2 Ocean is the leader and the inventor of, you know, piercing aftercare and also a good natural, all natural tattoo aftercare. And the first one that I made was was a moisturizing foam, listening to artists, because after meeting with that piercer and sending that that nurse hold up going back to that that mm -hmm. story, um i sent that nurse to a piercer friend of mine in pompano and she came back excited with like a little piece of paper that said mix your own salt and water and it was sea salt and water and do a soak and also take aspirin um crush it up uh, use antibacterial soap, no fragrance. Um, Crush the aspirin up? Yeah, there was all kinds of remedies. Like you said, they were looking for something. And mm -hmm. I basically went to go visit him. And I said, hey, you want to try this spray out? And at that time, it was in like a pump bottle. Um, and he said, yeah. And, you know, like he's been doing it for a long time. And he's like, it worked. I'll buy some more. And you should do a tattoo convention with me. And I was like, well, <laughs> don't really know much about tattoo, tattoo conventions or nothing like that. I didn't have a tattoo on me. I did have piercings before. Um, and I said, sure. And when I went back then, you can imagine 20 years ago, it's run by the bikers. And, <laughs> you know, you get just, I guess, the bikers, the military and, uh, you know, some gangster prisoners that come through the door yeah. that, you know you've been around for a while yeah originally it was for sailors whores and 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 who not tax collectors but you know tattoos were for sailors and whores for the most part ruffians people on the fringe and back then it was definitely not where we're at now with um ivy league people finishing their their schooling and then going to tattoo you know yeah, so when, when I went to that convention... Um, Which I, one was it? Was it uh, East Florida. Coast, West Coast? What was it? it? Was East Coast, it was the South Florida Tattoo Convention in Coast okay. in um, Coral Springs, you know. And um, so the biker community put it on, and they actually had most benefits of the proceeds went to Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. So I thought that was kind awesome. of... Cool. Yeah. So... But I had nothing but a piercing spray and I seen all the tattoos and I got kind of like really interested into the tattoo industry right after that. And I started to think about making despite a that wasn't a big thing. We didn't nobody knew it was, would blow up like that. Did you have an idea it would? No, like that, it has. that convention, there was no aftercare. There was no piercing aftercare. There was no tattoo aftercare. So 
I didn't know what was out there, but you know, um, here I am selling a piercing spray at the tattoo convention. And these bikers were like, what's this? I'm like, it's ocean water. It's supposed to heal you up. They were putting it on tattoos too, as well. And they said, you know, when sailors were getting tattoos, they would jump in the ocean. Well, the ocean's dirty. I recommend that, but this is a sterile ocean. And it also has an enzyme in it. That's going to control bacteria, you know, and, uh, I figured that was my line. H two Ocean uh, became a name, um, and we, so it didn't even have the name when you had the the aftercare. You weren't H two Ocean with the piercing aftercare. It was H two Ocean first aid spray. So it did okay. not piercing aftercare spray. It was first aid spray, and then we said piercing aftercare spray right after that convention, and then okay. it was, then we went to uh, making the the tattoo aftercare foam. And that's in the tin can, not like the foam soap that you see the reveals and the antibacterial foam soap, which I invented that too as well. Um, Thank but you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for all those soapy reveals. Is that what you're taking credit for? Yeah, I didn't do that reveal kind of thing <laughs> with your minds. And, okay. And, yes, and you know that's a hit or miss. Some people are like, I hate the soapy reveal. Some people love it. I, I like it because it adds drama. Yeah. But I don't care to watch it all. So I, I, a lot of times if I see it, I won't even start. Yeah, right. So I, I mean, go, so that's cool. Move on. Yeah. So uh, the foam, moisturizing foam was more of like a, a skin protectant. Um, and when I started working on it and with the chemist and I'm, mm -hmm. you know, a lab coat on going in with the chemist and having my idea, um, everybody was using A&D ointment diaper rash uh there was bacitracin at that time and then also any of those things would actually pull some of the ink out am i wrong like bacitracin it seems would actually pull ink out yeah and learned a lot about that because in this suntan industry i learned you know mineral oil which is baby oil was mainly the petroleum but it's refined petroleum it's in there clogs the pores and then it just create your body to want to kind of push out everything. So you already have ink in there that your body's going to try to push out. And, <laughs> and to these guys, they were like, you have to seal it in somehow seal it in. So I made like this protectant sealer, which was similar to like a liquid bandage, but not clear. Um, it would go on as a foam and moisturize and then leave a, like a little silica based clear feel. Residue. On okay. Um, but people were overusing it because they thought more was great. And, uh, always, isn't it? Uh, not really. You know, <laughs> sometimes a little bit a long way and let your skin right. breathe better. Right. You yeah. Know? And it started to go into the creams. And so I, I created that to where I was saying, why put all this crazy ointment based stuff on your tattoos? It should go and breathe a little bit. So basically, mm -hmm. Even before Luberderm and the lotion started coming out, I was promoting my stuff. But tattoo artists back then, they were like, they didn't believe it because it did not get sold in the drugstore. So you got to imagine how hard that was. You know, like the drugstore market ain't carrying it. Walgreens don't carry it. And back then there was Eckerd's, if you knew Eckerd's was. Mm, it was. I don't. CBS kind of store. Okay. <laughs> And they were like, it's not in Eckerd's drugs or it's not in, uh, you know, Walgreens. I don't believe it. You know, so 
They're what we right on. These are real consumer-based mindsets. Yeah, but be, because I went to this the conventions and got a couple of good guys um, to use it, I felt like okay, it's it's a definitely a business that I'm going to go after, and I think I'm going the right way. It's not going into the hospitals yet, so let me jump into this marketplace. And uh, even went over to, uh, you know, the West Coast and some of the conventions and didn't really travel out too too far out of, um, you know, the East Coast or Midwest uh, of the United States. But I, I traveled all over with bands and stuff, so I wasn't afraid to travel on my own. Mm did that for a long time um but i did a, a california convention out there and met uh some great guys mickey from um tattoo life magazine he had the all-american tattoo convention and i mean there was paul booth guy atchison uh jack, hitters yeah jack rudy I, I met jack rudy out there the Judy, heaviest hitter uh tony Davis, all all at once i mean and this guy he owned the magazine and the book mm -hmm. so he knew all these guys would come to his show i got introduced to some really good guys they told me you know if you get with these guys and they they like it you're gonna you're gonna go somewhere so mm -hmm. um the first first protein member like i mean when you're talking about protein i was the first guy to ever also create the teams of artists that you see out there that every company wants to get a hold of. That is, that is true. The first I ever saw was H2 ocean. And I yep. think not long after that, Cheyenne kind of dabbled in it. Yeah. And then, I, but eternal Inc actually tramp called me and asked me about the whole team thing. Didn't know nothing. And I gave him some ideas. Then also FK irons called me up. Um, Gaston. Gaston. Yeah, and said, yo, what, what's with this pro team? And then, you know, <laughs> why does everybody want free shit? Well, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you're going to need to fuck do something for them, you know, to put them on your team. You don't just tell them to endorse them, you know, like, but right. it's not about that. I'd never put anybody on our team without getting their pro my product in their hands and doing I've some reading. liking it. Tell me about, I would imagine, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm, who is the hardest convert i'm imagining it's either tony or uh jack rudy i'm i'm mostly thinking jack and then i imagine after he was a convert he might have been the most loyal and an ardent supporter i would say like um i the first guy i would have to give it up to that kind of like knew and didn't know the concept but um i talked him into it and he wanted to do the test was steve hayworth the body model yeah. artist, you know, and a piercer. Yeah, didn't he do a um, he modified or something like that? Isn't there a movie like that about him? Yeah, he did that. But he he's an innovator too, as well. So he got mm -hmm. it. He invented the the metal mohawks, and he did one side with the you know the sea salt solutions that were mixed at home, which are not sterile. Um, mine had an enzyme in it, and the secret behind my stuff is is where you get the sea salt from too as well you know every ingredient's not all the same the sea salt okay. is the same as the sea salt that you're going to find in the grocery store you know um 
it's just like an orange is not the same orange. So it's Salt real- Bay would agree with you, I believe. Yes, Salt Bay would probably. <laughs> well, uh, who knows? You know, he's just a uh, he's tasting it, and he would know the tastes. I'm looking right. at it mineral content that's actually providing you know healing properties to you so it's a little bit more science behind my my theory and that's why you know even got publications out now as you know we'll get down to that yeah i want to get into that i do because because uh i feel like it's going to bring an air of scout people will think i'm smart after this podcast (laughs) you You just wrote a fucking textbook man like uh like for real like and I, I perused through it for a minute. It's way texty. It's like I was going to school again. I didn't know if I liked it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> that makes sense. It's got to be awesome. You're yeah. not the only per- only author of it, right? There's a few other people you're collaborating with on it. Yeah, let's get into that after the pro team because I was going okay. the place. Yeah, but- yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. The name of the show sometimes <laughs> gives me too much leeway to get off the topic. But, but yes, absolutely. The pro team because I'm. Who I can't the, wait to hear when my hero Jack Rudy gets on it. Really, well, let me tell you that Jack Rudy, when I went to go see him, I only had that phone, and he just got back from. Um, I have a good memory, of course. He just got back mm-hmm. from Florida, moving his wife out there from California, and he um, he he was like, "Man, I got this mosquito bites all over me and everything." And I said, "Here, put this spray on you, and then put this foam on you. It'll relax that, calm your skin, and." the actual enzyme that I use in there will actually get rid of that mosquito bites instantly. He's like, all right, I'll put it on there. And he goes, this tattoo aftercare. And I never heard of tattoo aftercare. He didn't even know there was a tattoo goo that exists at that time. Hmm. So (laughs) we're like, I told him about it. He put it on and I came back 30 seconds later. I go, are you itching anymore? He goes, no. I said, you don't even see the red bite marks pretty much. They've calmed down. And he's like, man, this is crazy. So uh, put this on a tattoo how many times and what do I do? You know, he really got into it. But then he also gave me this. Hey, you're not tattooed. How do you fucking know how to give you a little hell about it? Huh? You know? So, yeah. So I was like, well, he's famous for almost fighting with and Maybe I'm over exaggerating the story, but you've heard it, too. I'm sure with Anil Gupta. Um, after he saw his tattoos, beautiful artwork, and then saw he had no tattoos on him, and he he felt you know uh, affronted by it of some sorts. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I knew the story ends with them eventually tattooing Anil and, and them being friends. But uh, and that's what happened with me too as well. But I've always okay. made him. You know, he he's he's someone that's you know you, you could be intimidated by, but uh, me just go on with my personality. And, you know, just saying, hey, uh, you know, like, do you have to have AIDS to fucking cure AIDS? Do you have to be a doctor to, uh, for AIDS? To <laughs> right. And he's thinking about it and he's like, no, but you should get fucking tattoos. Here, let me give you a tattoo. And I go, oh, I was thinking about it. I remember seeing him tattooing, you know, Jesse James's palm. And it said, pay up, sucker, with the dollar sign on there. Okay. He so, did that, huh? Yeah. So I go up to him and I go, Hey, I'll get a tattoo one day. And and I'm thinking about getting a tattoo by you. He goes, Oh yeah. Well, let's do this. And I go, I'm not afraid of that fucking needle. I'm like, I want to get tattooed, but I want to get the right one, you know? And if I get 
I'll, I'll ask you right now. I was thinking, you put it in pay up sucker on my my hand, but I want it to be a million dollar fucking thing on there. And he's like, what? No, I would never do that. I can't redo that because that's my buddy, uh, Jesse James. And I said, yeah, I've seen that on TV. And he's like, I don't, I don't really do the same tattoo on the same person in the same place. They might be similar. You can pick right. something, but you know, I try to be original and I like that. I was like, yeah, I, I want to be original too as well. But you know, a lot of people, motherfucking people owe me money all the time. You know, back in Florida, I'm thinking, you know, I could use that, you know. Yeah. But we go and we're, we're having a good conversation. Uh, and it got me thinking. And right after that, of course, you know, I got tattooed by him and a bunch of famous people. And I What'd got, you end up getting by him? Well, I got, um, I got the, the crown of the Neptune the trident going okay, through yeah. my arm. And then I had um, triplets. So I put all three of the boys' name on there, but one of them actually passed away. So he's the lettering king, little cross. Then he, he got into like a, like a, his water waves and evil skull. And then it went into a fish skull of, uh, and then a, a saber tooth tiger on my chest. So he got a big piece that he got done on me and it was quite, quite a bit, uh, going at it, but I got. Wait, was this over one day or over um, some period of time? Some period of time, you know, okay. I, I would, I would see him at the conventions and book beforehand. And then he would just tattoo me either in the room or at the convention. And man, I'll tell you what, he'd get started at like, pretty much nine o'clock when the damn convention is about done and mm -hmm. it would be the last ones in the damn hallway. Just getting it. It was pretty cool because, you know, we got to talk and, and spend some time, you know, it quiets down a bit. We, yeah. we don't, that doesn't happen as much at the, at the convention style Throw you shows out. anymore. The big festivals. Yeah. They'll kick you out now back in the day with the hotel uh, conventions. They would go all night. Yeah, all night till five in the morning sometimes, you know. So he, Marshall, and and Bob are all kind of famous for being late night tattooers. Yeah. And then you would see some some other guys too outdo each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who can stay up the latest? You could tell the next day by the empty booth, be like, Oh, right on. Yeah, right. Marshall and Bob tied one on, I see last night. And they were going late, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Or see the pictures. Um, I think we've seen Bob, hey, uh, Bob Tyrell getting the whole show broke down around him as he's still working on something several times. I would say that um, with all that and learning a lot from those guys, uh, Jack, Bob, uh, Tony Olivas, Jesse N um, for his black and gray and his color, and then <laughs> Dean Cook, those were our first pro team members and they're pretty much like the original guys that I actually used as research development, you know, mm -hmm. uh, study work on new development and, and then also development of the pro team because, you know, I'd have to talk to them about adding more onto our team too as well. So gave them the respect out of that. 
Then I went to the international market pretty quick too as well. Um, Bringing your product overseas, you mean? Yeah, I got it. But in, uh, at this point, it's still the foam moisturizer with, with a sealant of sorts. Right, right. And then I made a cream because I, I found the foam was not working in like like Utah or some of the really dry, dry areas. You know, okay. so, uh, a moisturizing cream that had a little bit of more moisturizing for those people that had more dry skin type. And uh, knowing that everyone's skin is different. And, you know, not only that, your whole body's different. It depends on, you know, what drugs will work on what person and what what aftercare will work on the person's skin. And skin's a little bit different, uh, you know, because everyone's skin is different, as you know, mm -hmm. from being a tattoo artist, how the ink goes in. Moisture mm -hmm. is not the only thing that you need to give it. I mean, you want to try to stay away from fragrances, dyes, which I hate. And I heard that a lot with all the, the different, you know, remedies that people used for tattoo aftercare. I mean, they were even putting straight aloe on tattoos and they would go, oh, it would scab up really nice. And you just <laughs> pull that scab and it would actually itch. And just every time it itch, you put more aloe on it. And those tattoos look like crap. I was like, <laughs> like big, huge scars, huge scars and fucking ink gloss, you know, yeah. one, right. Free touch. Well, there was so much speculation, especially for someone like myself is a, uh, that kind of learned just by being around, forcing myself to be around and uh, picking up bits of knowledge. No one had a cohesive idea of how to heal a tattoo. You know, they, it, it's still, um, I still hear a lot of varied reports. Could you might, would you give me a critique of my care instructions? Would you allow me? Yeah, sure. hundred percent. Right. I, I got the most research out of anybody on this. I'm figuring it's, it's, you're, you're the, you're the test. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm nervous to say it. <laughs> that's, that's how much I imagine this. Could, so, but, I think it's easy enough if I bring it down to one fucking thing because people can do one thing. And as long as they can remember that, even while I'm explaining to them and they got endorphins going through their body, maybe I can make them laugh a little bit. So I explain you have to treat it like a baby. And sometimes your baby will be crying because it's not happy. It's not, it's, it's not being treated well. It doesn't like its area. You, you go and you talk to your baby and your baby doesn't tell you what the fuck it needs. Because your baby doesn't know you need to put it through, you know, the process of, well, does it need to be pampered? Does it need to be uh, moisturized? Does it need to be cared for in any way? Why is it not happy? Everything you do for your baby should make it happy. And anything you don't that you do for your baby that doesn't make it happy, don't do that. So you would never take a baby to the beach and put it in the sun for 20 minutes. It would burn. You would never submerge it under a bathtub full of water. It's going to drown. You would never scratch a baby or give it to your mechanic who you know never washes underneath his fingernails. You know, you wouldn't dress it up sexy on a Friday night and take it to a club because it's a fucking baby. So maybe it needs to sit at home. Uh, you, you can't hire a babysitter for. Um, sometimes your baby will be bitching. You're going to be at work and it's crying about some shit. And your boss doesn't like you to take care of your baby at work because he's an asshole. And other cases, you might need people to recognize and just help out with taking care of your baby. Then I have to point out one thing to him. 
because sometimes when you're thinking about your baby, you can mistake what feels good for you to do for what your baby enjoys. Like just because you shake the fuck out of your baby and it's silent for 20 minutes doesn't mean that that was good for the baby, you know, and that's very similar to scratching the tattoo. Sometimes that feels like the best thing to do, but it's going to make your baby stupid in the corner with cross eyes. All right. I'm going to give you your applause because I like the story. One, you're <laughs> right. When you do destroy your skin cells on the top, they are old skin. That's probably going to shave off anyways, but there is these little baby cells that are growing underneath that I have to replace so those baby cells, if you put all kinds of stuff through it, like you said, mm-hmm. they're going to die, you know? And when you get injuries, anything, like if you get road rash, you fell off of a motorcycle, what does the ambulance do? They put salt water in your vein, and they give you some kind of pain relief to calm the body down. You don't want to be in shock. So just like the baby, calming and putting yourself to sleep is when your body can actually repair itself. Can't believe I'm passing this test. So you (laughs) pass the test of what is needed, calming, calming the skin. If it burns, if it burns for whatever reason, okay, you have a bacteria issue and it burned for 30 seconds or 20 seconds. Maybe it's the antibacterial and they're doing its job, but if it's continuing to burn and it looks like red and irritated, That's an irritant in there. And it could happen anywhere from four hours to two days later after you apply something to it. That is a screaming baby. Pay attention to it like it's your baby, because if you don't and you keep on applying something that's irritant on it, it's going to take that ink out. It's going to create a basic, your oozing cycle, your secretion to secrete more to try to push that infection or that impurity that you put in there out and that's which how- would then weaken all the work we did in saturating right. the color i'm guessing yes i mean what do i say i say you know don't be after careless where artists are not telling about um mm-hmm. think about you know what their tattoo is going to look like after the client leaves and takes care of it you know well and- we got our instagram picture what more do we need yeah right <laughs> But, you know, no, I, I see that a lot. And I think there's a lot we're going through that both the artists themselves can be taxed at the end of a tattoo. And it can be at least for me, like I'll spend sometimes eight to 10 hours with somebody like intimately, you know, on top of their body, like breathing their hot ass stank sausage breath and uh, and getting to know them. We're talking about everything. And and I've also been concentrating like a like a fucking concert pianist on this fucking tattoo and we get done i have a hard time receiving money let alone go over proper care instructions you know and i think the customer a lot of times they're on endorphins and all kinds of stuff they can't hear it but if i can tell them kind of one thing that they can cover and that they understand that they need to listen to it they'll develop the intuitive sense because a lot of these your tattoo on your shoulder is also nothing like the tattoo on the back of your calf or your shin perhaps you know i mean really what a professional tattoo artist or a shop you're giving a service you're you're putting your artwork on the person 
you should have the aftercare instructions or at least the recommendation on the release form. Tell them that they're not going to get a guarantee unless they follow your tattoo aftercare instructions. Don't run to the damn drugstore and get something that's not made for tattoos because, you know, even Aquaphor full of mineral oil, uh, putting it on too thick or on certain people that have already oily skin is not going to do very good. So, or I've seen things with um, I believe we were talking about mango too. You you see mango being used in a lot of aftercare products for the smell, but it it's it can here. be a. Li- it's also it, you look up mango and you put allergens, skin allergens on there. The allergy could show up four to twenty four hours later, and it is an irritant. You know so. It's also fragrance, man. I have fragrance free. I listen to the old schoolers. I have no idea how these other aftercare companies exist or try to market. And I'll call them out, you know, like even their names. I'm not afraid because really I didn't go after nobody. But man, when I hear names like Tattoo Goo, Hustle Butter, you know, like who's going to put Hustle Butter? It sounds like a cocaine uh dealer you know hustling some to you you know listen you're gonna make me have to put a uh, these statements do not reflect the views and opinions of i'm fucking with you man but i i I personally i don't know i guess i get to shit on it certainly i'm in good company too i'm not trying to talk shit on hustle butter i don't know too many of them but i don't like the word in there I'll, i'll be definitely with you there like that you know this isn't so much a hustle as it is my life and my craft my art I love a lot of that. We're on this podcast right now. Now that I I consider myself a scientist, 20 years of doing lab work and studies and seeing these other companies going out there. You know, if I was an FDA agent, right. And I Mm -hmm. check your, your food and drug, uh, whatever you're actually putting in your body, um, the safety wise, would you want me not to, to name some bad stuff out there? <laughs> no, I follow completely. And recently um, there was a product that came to the show and it made us look more closely at his product. And he, he showed images to us of him putting it together in what appeared to be his living room. Right. You know, or in a garage with like buckets of uh, five gallon buckets at Home Depot with yeah mixers. I mean, ridiculous. (laughs) Right. Like he bought a paddle mixer for doing mud or something. And I I don't know. And and now I'm I'm not trying to. But it opened up some of my eyes about the the quality of these things. They something could be packaged is like the packaging that we can buy for many different things is all the same. You know, I mean, you can just get that and just slap whatever picture on it suddenly it seems professional because you see other people's packaging with good products there but meanwhile uh man this i i had a thing of this stuff and i opened it up not too long ago and it, it was brown like banana peels if you would see me right now i got my hand on my head like a headache is starting really bad <laughs> so just thinking of this <laughs> like you're absolutely right. I'm glad you're saying something about it, but it's, it's, you know, mind boggling just how this industry, you know, has blown up with about 150 different aftercares and 
only, you know, to hear from my customers that loved seeing my tattoos. I mean, my H2O Ocean heal their tattoos and then them going, oh, I, I'm making my own now. And <laughs> they, when you make, there's not a manufacturer out there that's in GMP, which is good manufacturing practice, FDA approved manufacturer. That's not going to make you a sample size of like, oh, let me try to do, you know, 200 or, or a thousand pieces just to start off with. No, they want orders of like 50,000, 100,000 at a time. So it makes the small business guy try to try to do it on their own, making it in their home, which I, I understand, you know, but, you know, you got to really make a clean kitchen, understand mm-hmm. how, how it really needs to be labeled. And then stability testing, the lab testing, all that stuff needs to be done because you're putting yourself in liability of having a bad tattoo especially what if it was a a celebrity that was getting a face or a neck tattoo and it just kind of got infected to the point where the guy was hospitalized and the industry just did not know what the hell they were doing like the first numbing Mm -hmm. process that were out there they had you know um epinephrine you put that mixture in with lidocaine it's basically turns into novocaine you know it's made for injectable single use and when you have an injectable you can say okay well i'm only going to put uh 20 mil mls or a 0.5 ml into the skin mm-hmm. so it's measured like a drug but now when you put it in a cream these people are putting it all over their body imagine putting it all over your back letting it sit there for a long time and that's what really starts up the heart. I mean, it's it, it makes your blood flow even more. It's like used for, you know, allergic reactions. When you have that much blood flow going through your veins, it's going to push the ink out too, right? So, but it does constrain. So you're saying also this though was going, I didn't think about it there. I, I felt the difference in the consistency of the skin. That would change. But also then it was going to your heart and getting them all antsy in my chair. It's constrictor because the constricting of your cells are trying to push and it becomes a shield. So now what you have, which is your skin is your shield. So your biggest organ in your body, protecting your inside delicate cells that can not handle the air and the bacteria problems that's in the air because you would get infected. Um, It would tighten up those pores and not allow it in. So when it's tightened up those pores, you're probably thinking, man, how come the ink's not going in? Well, it's yeah. doing what it's got to do. It's trying to keep that poison away from it, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. cons- but if it does get a little bit in those veins, it's pop that, that vein all the way up, travel up to your heart. And now you're going to be pounding. Your heart's going to be pounding. Now the blood's going to flow. Um, as soon as the constricting stops, now you're losing ink. There it is. There's, there's your actual, um, problem for the numbing creams out there that you see from china from everywhere that people are selling online too don't know well what i'll have customers come in that they bought something online with and uh i have to explain to them that if they want to use it i can't i can't guarantee the work you know right because you're gonna actually probably try to get that ink in there and it's not going in so you're actually giving it more trauma and then when everything starts bleeding a little bit more that ink's going to come out. Exactly. And a lot of times that I find it hits them like a wall. 
You know, yeah. like it all just comes on them all of a sudden. And then they're just like, I can't do anymore. Cause like, it felt fine for a little bit. And then suddenly it stops working. Like there's a tolerance level or something that, uh, that gets built up. Yeah. They just screw themselves over all with those things. I mean, not my nothing lidocaine organic creams and the nothing soap, you know, you have five ingredients in there or you're looking at making sure that there's no irritants at all. No, no substance that has any even moderate allergies out there. Um, it's very important to make sure, you know, you know a little bit about ingredients or trust the, the, the label. You know, I wouldn't put anything on the H2 Ocean label brand that didn't go through at least three or four testing um, before it gets released. But before that, it needs to go through at least a year to two years of testing with artists that are on the pro team and that are just local shops that, you know, are not so great and don't know what they're doing at, at times. Because, you know, tattoo artists don't know everything about tattooing or the skin that they're tattooing until they get into about their year 10. That's what Tony Oliva said. You know, I don't know that he's wrong. I know these kids nowadays, they, they seem to be learning at a faster clip. So I, I'm hesitant to say, you because know, that the actual companies are getting better. The inks are getting better. They're regulated. The aftercare, which I created is also much better, but it's not been changed. I just made a lot more different types because you're going to have to feel out what your skin type is. You know, mm -hmm. you don't put, Aquatat on somebody that's already got, you know, oily skin, um, maybe that person, because they're just doing it in a, a chest piece or an arm, should just go with the, the water-based, you know. Um, I yeah. did create the CBD one. The CBD, it was like on fire. Everybody had CBD. And I'd go, oh, here it is. CBD is a great ingredient. But a lot of these people are going to put fake CBD milligrams, 1,000 milligrams. Nobody would even be able to afford a thousand milligram CBD cream. If it was really a thousand milligrams, it'd be too expensive. Really? Yeah, a, 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 at least a hundred to two hundred dollar tub, you know. Right and, on. And and there's I'm guessing then there's not a lot of regulation on claims uh for such CBD in the industry. Yeah. If I said I had a thousand milligrams in here, I had a hundred, what kind of lawsuit would I face? is to make sure there's no THC in it and that you can get in trouble with if you have THC in it and you make, okay. but, uh, the amount of CBD in there, you know, like we test ours with third party tests and stuff. Um, you know, it, you only need about 10 milligrams for it to do what it needs to do in a little area of your skin. So, okay. uh, you know, they, they sell oral, cbd tablets and stuff like that you only need about 25 to treat the whole body and the mind for it to relax and start those neurons to get back into cannabinoids that really help with your brain and, and calming the whole body down because your brain really sends triggers to your skin cells and your nerves to to cause inflammation so it's a lot of times if you can calm your own self down your whole body would not be stressful and it wouldn't react. Really? Okay. And it's going to send signals to your lysomes and everything. Okay. There's a problem. There's, there's something that just opened up like a wound. So send all your 
your defenses to that wound, take care of that wound. Right. And if you could try to calm the brain down, you wouldn't have the shock. And shock is what really causes like inflammation, pain, and okay. uh, <laughs> and stuff. So there is benefits to that, of course. Uh, I I teamed up with Charlotte's Web, the very first inventor of the CBD market. You know, uh, Charlotte's Web has been around for 25 years. And because okay. I'm an inventor and I'm in the list of inventor books and inventor minds, just the, the manufacturers all talk about me, how great my product is. So they, they introduced me to, you know, the other companies that I would do something great with. And I got okay. that bit compared to any of the other um, companies out there because my products, I have the invention on sea salt, water, and comprising anything else on there. That's why you don't see sea salt in anybody else's products because I have that patent. You have the patent on it. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I, that was a question. That if your product's so great, then why isn't it being copied? You know, Which other many aspects of your product line are being copied of sorts, and, and certainly the protein uh, idea was copied and, and used pretty successfully. Now, because I, I had that inventor mind, I created so many first things, but I didn't have you know any kind of copyrights or copies on that. And copyrights are anything that I put together, like the, you know, the ultimate tattoo care kit, somebody can't call their stuff ultimate tattoo care right. or anything like that because it's been written down. But um, when it comes to formulations, you have to do a patent and it's really hard to patent formulations. Um, I got a patent on that and all my other, you know, ideas have been copied. So I must've been doing something right. Um, and I have been copied with the sea salt stuff, but I stopped them, got three injunction orders um, that okay. make it even stronger. And uh, right now I got a couple other people I have to go after too, but you know, I, I could learn from what going after somebody in the law with lawyers in courts, it's going to cost you more money than you're going to probably make. So we're, right. we're, you know, the people that are copying the sea salt idea, we can go back up to six years and take 90% of their profits. So they're basically just working for me. And I know there's a couple. Right. Of but then that would possibly, if I'm understanding this right, that would leave them in the market, but licensing your product, if they can find the, the, the ability to do that. And then basically we're yeah. getting, if I licensing your patent, not I mean, product. when it comes up to the courts, they ask, you know, okay, you won. What, what are we going to do for the settlement? Are they going to pay you the, you know, 90% that you're owed or give them a little bit of break and sign an agreement to where they're giving you a residual for a long term. Um, right. I tried to work it always out with the, the people that were trying to do it and professionally just kind of said, okay, let's, let's sign an agreement and really never worked out because I really looked into what they were making and it wasn't worth it. They basically lost a lot, a lot. So and you would want the product then if it is licensing your patent, you would want it to be a good product. Oh, of course you're saying you want to share that integrity even across the board with your competitor that is yeah, ripping you off. There was a guy that said, <laughs> Oh, I'm using tap water. 
I'm like, really? That's purified water too as well, because it's being purified by the city, but they leave all these chemicals in it and it's not that good. It's, right. it's going to ruin the seesaw brand. So I will say you cannot do that anymore. And if you did do that, and then eventually it was like, yeah, well, I just said that in court, but I'm using mm-hmm. a pure water. And I'm like, but it's still not purified like the USP grade purification that a GMP, uh, FO, FP, yeah. you know, like any kind of water and bacteria you have in there, it just put it in some sunlight, some, some warm place, like you said, in your car or something like that, you're going to start grow, growing bacteria. So your stability life is going to be shortened and you're going to, you're going to have tainted product out there. And, it and, could be problematic to the tattoo or whatever it's put on. Yeah, exactly. Science of sea salt author. Are we ready to get to this, this book yet? Sure. I mean, uh, I agree. <laughs> different aftercares for the different types of skin. Um, and, you know, I really didn't go out to create, you know, an educational either podcast or a seminar. I did a couple of seminars, I think, um, in Europe. That, that was on my mind of like, you know, when I do get some, you know, clinicals and something behind me, even a good, great website, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do either my voice, you know, or some videos and I'm going to do some how to's I'm going to, I want to educate, you know, and just bring people up and not tear them down. I want to bring them up so that they get on a level that they feel comfortable learning the real way of how the human benefits all the ocean's ingredients. So there is so much science that can be found and the oceans have only been discovered. I would say the scientists say less than 5% that we know about our oceans right now. And it's, you so, think it could have so much. Well, that brings me to a part, maybe completely different from the book, but I, I think it, it's part of your passion too is what we're doing with the ocean and your own your own um what you're doing to give back to something that you love so much right so like it all started from you know the love of the ocean um and then caring for you know saltwater aquariums i had done that business for a long time Um, marine biology being a surfer a fisherman um watching the ocean change since I've been growing up, you know, and then not being able to think how long, you know, some of these reefs and some of these areas I I visited might not be there for my kids or for my grandkids or for the next generation. And it's not just the, the cool things that I got to see, but it's, you know, that means for the earth, I'm guessing, right? Like, cause without that reef, it isn't just a, a destination yeah. location it's something important for our, our for all earth life. sustainability yeah so basically our products it was one of the things when i was in the sunscreen industry i just created my you know sunscreen and i didn't want to do it because it, it's a seasonal business and mm-hmm. it, to kind of have expired 
products and so many problems that they had from the other company I worked for. Um, but I created a reef safe sunscreen and I want to put it out there. Um, all of my products are pretty much earth friendly. Yay. Recycle a package. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I could do to reduce the plastic. I hate that, but I know plastic is an important part of our life too, as well, because without plastic, we would, we would probably put more trash out there and more organic trash that might even destroy the oceans just as much. Um, but if we could keep that out of there, you know, it would be definitely something that we definitely have to kind of educate and, and endorse anybody that's doing the cleaning of the oceans, which what I do is I get unrefined sea salt from the red sea. It's very important. And okay. Salts are different. So I wanted to start off my first publication. Well, that's out there where life started, isn't it? The Red Sea, am I wrong? The Red Sea. Yep. That's the actual heart of the earth. That's what I call it. It's like the artery. It's not because mm -hmm. it's dead. It's because there's coral reefs and fish there and ecosystem that grows from there. The mineral content that comes out of that sea that flows down and hits those ocean currents it mixes up and then we have nothing but, you know, good benefits that are coming out of there of all the marine life. And then um, using those sea salts too, as well, for human benefit, for animal benefit, for, for um, you know, plant life. Every single cell needs these minerals that are found in sea salt. And there's 82 trace minerals that are found there that match our bodies. And when I mean trace minerals, even if you see like gold, platinum, zinc, um, uh, titanium, those are all minerals that are found in sea salt, but they're so minute that they really don't do any harm, but they benefit because like when you're taking calcium as a pill to try to help your bones strengthen, your bones aren't gonna strengthen unless you take calcium, strontium, magnesium, mixed and then okay and when those because otherwise it's just going through your body because it doesn't have what it actually needs to make it we just know of calcium being what bones are made of so we think that's the only part of the process lots of calcium you're good all right i mean you got nitrogen in there you got hydrogen in there you got you know all the main major minor and then trace minerals that are found in the red sea that are really beneficial. So they are not gonna cause you hypertension. Hypertension is caused because um, the salts that are mined out of the ground, they're refined even from the, the sea salt, they get chlorinated because they want that white appearance. They want it to be, you know, um, uncaking. So they put uncaking um, other ingredients in there, which could be really? hot iron that, that's how we get table salt then is uh they were they start the refining process from from any other salt they mine and then you have 66 percent chloride in there and then your your sodium goes down a little bit and what chloride and chlorine does to your skin it takes the mineral content out because now you're like sitting in a pool with chlorine in it you get wrinkly mm -hmm. The wrinkly fingers are a, a sign of drying because the mineral content is being pulled out 
and the water is just kind of there and it's basically drying it out. You know how they say, Hey, you know what? If you're dehydrated, don't drink salt water. Yeah. Right. You're right. You know, but water's in there. Why wouldn't you be able to drink salt water? Cause it's going to hydrate you, dehydrate you even more. And the reason why it's going to dehydrate you even more is because too much of one mineral, like if you were taking too much of one vitamin, like, man, you can overdose on vitamin C, you can overdose on that, but you zinc too. Yeah. But I mean, zinc. Yeah. People were really worried about, you know, COVID. So I'm sure a lot of people, when they heard zinc, they were like, Oh man, I'm going to try to triple up on this zinc. All of a sudden, yeah. they're, you know, they're on the toilet, they're throwing up and they got even more sick. If I ever took zinc in the early morning on a, without breakfast in me or something, it's like I'd start, I, I, it was like I was going through a cold that day. I didn't yeah. know what was happening to me the first couple of times it happened. It's like, I bet it's a zinc supplement. So the body works just like an ecosystem, you know, and like the oceans, you could be destroying the oceans by giving it too much something. If you actually have a, a saltwater aquarium, you have to watch out for your corals or your fish. You know, you see them like get sick. You need to figure out what mineral, what, what needs to change in that water for it to get healthier again. So, and it's usually a change of the water. They always say do a water change in the saltwater aquariums and that should fix everything, you know? Um, but that's exactly what you have to do. You have to get these tests to learn every mineral content to see if the balance is right. And I figured that is something that's important to our bodies too, is just having the right amount of minerals that are going into your body. And all the food that seems that, present to you in the res in the red sea salt more than others. It is for sure. I mean, it's surrounded. If you look at the red sea, you got Jordan, Egypt, a little bit of Israel, um, you all know, the, the fertile crescent. Well, that's why I say that's where, to where life started. We, I mean, that's what we imagine. Everything kind of came I, from Am I wrong? Right about that area. Yeah. It's surrounded by desert. So, I mean, you know, there's like less pollution possibly in there, you know, and only the rich, rich divers get there. I have not been there yet. And that's my dream. So after doing this book, you know, I said, man, I'm going to do it very soon. And I was going to go actually before the book was published, um, just because I was like, I got to get a picture with me at the Red Sea. You know, I've been using this and I, yeah. I a deal with the red sea salt company. And I even had somebody else lately send me out some red sea salt from another company and we tested it and we were like, wow, why is there such high amounts of iron in there? And I found out, you know, they're using machines and the machines that have, you know, metal and rusty, you know, metals off in, it, in the process, the process. And there was too much of iron in there. And iron in a man's blood can make you sick, make you lose your hair. That could be the, the number one reason that, of hair loss, too. Is iron, like, huh? Iron in, inside your inside your body, inside your blood. Your body can't get rid of it, you know. So there's a real big problem with that. So the body needs to be treated kind of like an ecosystem, especially if you're, you know, going through a cancer process, which uh, you're going through to kill everything on the cancer is thriving on. And the cancer goes, you, I mean, they try to kill your whole body to kill the cancer, of course, like chemo and also radiation. 
I'm not saying that sea salt will cure you, but the first thing that they do after they treat you with your 10 treatments of chemo and your body's, you know, just about dead, they tell you now it's on your own, man. You know, we just about killed the, the chemo has killed the cell. Your tumor is gone. So is all of your good cells. Go eat, hydrate, make sure you do some Pedialyte, drink Gatorade as much as you can. Well, let's see what those are. Those are all electrolytes. And there's also sugars in there. Um, so there's a balance. And those sugars probably will put some of those little trace minerals in there. It makes it taste a little bit good too as well. But there's great sugars like xylitol that we should be using, not the, the regular sugars from the sugar cane. And some of these other synthetic sugars are really bad for you too that could cause cancer. So Xylitol is not a, a synthetic sugar then? No, it's, it's coming from like um, a lot of the vegetables and tree barks and stuff like that. And xylitol is one that doesn't cause anything to the the um diabetes or a cause of diabetes and sea okay. salt not caused anything of hypertension which is high blood pressure so if you can get more natural what the earth provides and put that in your body then you're going to be able to survive your cancer treatments that you need to get better from so you should be using like our mouthwash our nasal spray um you know we could use our sea salt. Also. We can talk about your mouthwash a bit. That's fucking awesome. It is. I mean, dry mouth. Anything. I just found out that I've got a case of lemon. I don't, I mean, I like the Arctic too, but I love the lemon. I, I've been using Arctic all this time. And I guess I got to go through the whole case uh, of Arctic before I get to the lemon. <laughs> I thought you guys must have discontinued it or something, but my wife got one of each. No, man, it's actually, um, I'll tell you, the the thing is, is I, I went through the test tastes with all the, the people in the lab and everything. I, I created that. It took me a long time. I put food coloring in it at first. Well, if I somebody had, has their tonsils still, that is the best mouthwash. That's just an awesome mouthwash, first off. Like, uh, if you have sensitive teeth, if you have... um pockets or whatever as they call it you know uh, it helps you work on all those kinds of things and and i've still got my tonsils and so i use that regularly and avoid having sore throats and and all kinds of problems because of it or so make a canker sore go away in like a day i mean um bleeding gums gingivitis i can talk about it now too because all those claims that i made even with um dry mouth they mm -hmm. all studies clinical trial studies with, you know, 200 patients, 50 patients, 75 patients, eight studies that came in, came out in peer reviewed medical journals, which other dentists and doctors have to actually review it on their board to be able to right. go in medical journals. And it's not in one, the same medical journal. We yeah. went because like we'll find the, out some science shit it will run all through it. like such and such study found this and that that you know such as that and then it will get peer-reviewed and we'll never hear about it that actually there's no fact behind it you know and sometimes it'll become part of our thought i've heard this about somebody said standing with your arms open in a y can increase testosterone and this is one of these things was not able to be reproduced in further studies so under peer review, it fell apart 
but it still became part of, you know, consciousness or thought. Once your own studies then go through this peer review, I mean, that's kind of like, that's solid is what you're saying too. That's the top. It's very hard. I mean, they, they, they've been out there as their board members for that publication and they're the top doctors and they read through it and they have to kind of have a meeting on it. Usually even the articles or the studies would be sitting there in the peer review for at least a year before they even, you know, get to it and tell you they're going to publish it. And then you have to be very careful and not tell anybody until it gets published. We got published in eight of them, nine now. And that's why I decided Congrats. to get this science of sea salt. And when we looked at sea salt and science, there's 55 publications out there that are in medical journals. And none of them have the word H2Ocean except for those eight in there that we actually did. Um, but a lot of them all started talking about the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is a lake. It's not even an ocean. It's a lake that has no flow. There's nothing going on in there. It shows antibacterial. It shows exfoliations, really great for the skin, softening the skin. Why? Because it gets rid of the dead cells. Um, But there is really good, you know, mineral content in there. You would just have to use it in a different application. The Red Sea is more of a healing sea. You know, like I said, that's the best. Um, there the Dead is a, Sea doesn't sound like, uh, yeah, there, you want to say, and also it's, it, since it's not moving and all, it's salt content is super high, but it's not thing. really alive also, right? That's why they call it the Dead Sea, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. Um, but yeah, there's other seas that I would suggest, you know, like I, I already kind of went through, you know, the diving industry, you know, the divers would say the best coral reefs. Well, right there, I'm thinking, okay, well, that must be the healthiest ecosystem. So that means they have the best sea salt coming from around there. So there's just the right balance. And that's what I look for. Um, So like even, you know, you haven't heard nothing about the the Great Barrier Reef where we're thinking that that was going to die one day. Well, it's starting to turn back around. The, The earth has its own cycle, but it also... It's important for these ocean currents to take things that are important and deliver these minerals to the places where they need um, it to benefit, you know, the corals. If the corals are the microfeeders and they clean the ocean, we need that. Um, mm-hmm. The sharks, we need the sharks. Because the only thing, you know, people really don't know what sharks are used for, but when a whale dies... You know, a lot of people go, oh, that blubber is so great. Well, it's got so much petroleum that if you ever took like oil and, you know, you can't take oil from a car and throw it on the grass, because if you throw it on the grass, that oil will kill that grass and that might not grow back for like a year. Well, that's kind of like what the blubber of the the whale would do. In the ocean. And if the shark eats that whale out there while it's floating around their liver and the body will actually transfer it and then get rid of it to where it won't harm the oceans. So if you get rid of these sharks, then who's going to clean up all the, the blubber of the whale or the dead? Because mm-hmm. I mean, to get a shark to come up, I do shark dive with Dino Cook and a couple other guys from National Geographic and stuff. 
Um, and we don't see any harmful sharks out there. There's, there could be a pit bull out there, you know, that will bite you. And then there are all the pit bulls right there are also so friendly and they're, they're nanny pop. That's what I feel the sharks are too. Okay. You have to, some know, of them having a bad day and you might end up losing a finger or two. Dump right in front of a shark's nose and that shark might come to you real quick, but then turn away. And it's like, your bubbles are everywhere. And I'm like, I am shark just hit me in my damn head. It could have had his mouth open, but he didn't, you know? Now, is there any, if, if you compare him to dog, I think the difference is maybe a huge difference. There's, there's no ears to scratch him behind to make their hind leg wag funny. No, or, you, know. you scratch their nose. They'll, they'll swim up to you more, you know, and they'll be wanting to come get more scratches on their nose. They have this, lateral feel down feel down their, mm-hmm. their body too that takes electrodes and feels the movements in the water and and that's how they hear too as well like you're saying hearing their hearing is so great so if you smack the top of the water they're coming right to it right away it takes a lot of blood to get a shark to come around from far away that 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 theory of one drop of blood and they're coming right away and they don't want nothing to do with human blood. Nothing. I oh. mean, when they bite you, they're like, Oh, this is disgusting. What did I Fuck just wrong thing, man? You know, it's a rotten egg or something, you know? Um, mm. but you know, they do clean up our oceans with eating the dying, the diseased, um, the dead already. And the dumb people that are trying to swim away from it and splash away because they're, <laughs> They might just snap at you, you know, but if you right. get, and look at them in their eyes, they're actually more intimidated to, to know what you are and they don't know what you are. So they, they stay their distance, you know, so you almost have to kind of look away and then it kind of comes up like a curious dog. That's a little bit afraid of you because think about the ocean, man. There's like a, a jellyfish that sting you. That's only the size of your pinky um, fingernail. They'll kill a human being in two minutes or a little uh, blue ring octopus that's tiny, about the size of your hand. I mean, you're how much bigger than that octopus. But if that octopus bites you, you got about five minutes left and you're dead. You know, that's what that's that's every day for the shark. That's every day in the ocean life. You'd never know we haven't discovered the power of, of what the ocean has. And you feel it's only been discovered. I'm I'm guessing this is based on, so you said about 5%. This is based not just on your own feeling. I'm betting though. Right. That's science. They're they're saying that, you know, we haven't discovered the 5% of what the ocean has. And they're not talking about like dissecting. That that means we got to get down in there with some mining gear and, some big petroleum based uh machinery well you know like the ocean itself is a fuel you know um there's a lot of electric um, they're doing that right now in uh in japan aren't they getting hydrogen from sea salt water they found a much easier way to harvest hydrogen recently using sunlight i went to the uh the future show probably four years ago in japan and they had running off of salt water where you just went to you know the intercoastal filled up a five gallon bucket poured it right into your car and within 10 minutes it turned it into hydrogen 
based fuel and you ran it just like that. And they did a boat engine like that too. Toyota did one. Honda did yeah, one. Yeah. You one know, that could almost take its own fuel source from the ocean it's driving in. A guy did that in Florida, but he sold his patent and his idea. And I read it, the whole, the whole article, mm-hmm. and it disappeared from the internet. But it was, um, he was looking to try to create this, this, um, this way of getting rid of cancerous cells by using radar and okay. radiation waves. You know, so, but he was using a low viscosity of radiation waves, which that's exactly how you would take, you know, um, salt water and turn it into hydrogen. So there's a lot of ways to do that already. And uh, that's something that I have some, some thoughts in, you know, my science and my mind going crazy. It's been going crazy like that. I just can't do everything all myself. At yeah. Work. Well, it's got to be big right now then with that, because that's relatively within the last year with so much going on with hydrogen. But you were already aware, I guess, of splitting hydrogen easily like that four years ago. Yeah, 15 years ago, I I read on the guy doing it. Um, I know somebody that me and him were messing around with that about five years ago. But now the science of sea salt, this is going out to who? It's not written for me as a tattoo artist. I mean, not that there isn't information in there that I'm, that can be gleamed and, and useful for any tattoo artist. So go through um, the sections. It goes through a uh, summary of the human anatomy, human phys- physiology, human immunity, like your immune system and your, you know, your fluids and everything. Just so you could get a little bit of background of how the human biology works. And then it goes to Ocean Frontiers, World of Ocean that I wrote. And then the ocean's water cycle, the oceanographic, ocean currents, the ecosystems, the coral reef ecosystem, um, then ocean governance. Um, Then it goes to history of salt, salt harvesting, how it's procured, the salinity measurements. Um, They also talk about seawater mining, um, marine aquariums. You'll be going over in that area about the differences like the Red Sea to the Dead Sea salts and all that mineral content, mineral content that's in there, too, as well. But then this is so this is for biology students or geology. It's almost a mixture of both. Well, I would I would think it's more of a science book. So it would just, you know, make somebody more educated on how important sea salt, how important the ocean is for ourselves. Um, And then to expand the mind on the young people to just go and make another business happen, part of the ocean and, and make, instead of like, you know, how we heard everyone's going green. Well, Mm -hmm. Started project blue green because I think blue should be first, and we got seventy percent of this earth that is the yellow. You know, yeah. so why like we can't say we should be going blue? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and then green could come later because if it wasn't for the ocean, there wouldn't be no green either. Right. Well, green is also just a, a sec. Uh, it's a secondary color, so the, at least the blue is a primary. It was a primary. And not only that, that project blue green, I was always saying, even there's more algae in the ocean 
and there's more plant life in the ocean because of how big it is, that our second breath of oxygen or any kind of real gas comes from the ocean, does not come from the trees. So okay. if we destroyed all the, the trees, we would be fine because the gases are, are mostly produced by the, the ocean. Well, depending on how we treat the ocean in the process. But I'm getting an idea that you see it, that all these things work together too in some kind of necessary harmony that is always in and out of balance and shifting to correct itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you see that? Is it like a metaphor almost for the human body too? Is though like, I'm guessing the ocean would be a our regulation. Our, our body is 70% salt water. Mm -hmm. Just earth. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a blueprint of if you're looking at Earth as a human being or the human being like the Earth ecosystem, you know. Um, so they're both living and they both got to take care of each other. They're both, you know, like they talk about pollution, like if the pollution, we don't get sunlight and that. Uh, the air actually changes and there's certain sulfurs and stuff like that, that just gases that take the oxygen out of there. That means the ocean's going to die too. You know, that doesn't mean that it's going to, it's going to kill just the, the plant life or the humans. So it all works. No, we have a lot of dead spots already in the ocean where we've, uh, especially if I'm not mistaken, like the Mississippi Delta and areas where our fertilizer has pretty much created dead zones as it washes out of our agriculture into yeah. the ocean. Or these ports where the, the shipyards are there and they're just full of petroleum leaks and everything. And anywhere that the, the petroleum or the, the, the oil rigs leak out, they take forever to re, regain their way of cleaning themselves up. But it's not totally dead, you know. There is, there's something that we could do. And that's one of my next passions that I don't want to say, but is going to help out. Um, I'm working with some, some really good engineers out of Japan um, in the United States here uh, with a team of scientists that are going to help some of those dead zones grow the coral reefs and grow the ocean and make them cleaner faster than what nice. humans do. You know, or even mm -hmm. what what uh, I would say the the earth itself or the environment can do for itself. You know, like we can actually speed it up, and it's not. Well, not shouldn't we be? We we can show that we have the ability to affect it negatively, and I think anybody could agree that you can affect any environment negatively, but also if that is a possibility, then we can also affect it positively, huh? We can, we can learn from our mistakes. That's what every business or whatever we do, we can learn from our mistakes. We should not erase history. History, we should learn from them and then turn around and create. Let, let the good independent minds of people create something and give them a chance. You know, um, mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that want to try to do that. And I have twin boys that are, you know, also passionate about what I have done they're in marine biology and the other ones in computers and in the, he's an engineer mind. They're going to the university of Florida. One of them's graduated. So um, you know, the book goes through sea salt and medicine, sea salt, and oral biology, sea salt and food science. Here's one sea salt mm -hmm. 
body art and modifications. So there is history of tattoo art in there. Spirit of tattooing. Well, I love that all this kind of got its wings in our industry. And it's uh, it has so many uses outside of our industry as well. Right. And life changing, honestly, uh, uses or. um, I talk about medical tattooing. I talk about, you know, um, in the tattoo care um, and also some cancer. Um, Some people that actually went through cancer and I helped them out, like I told you, where sea salt is helping somebody recover from. How do you use sea salt to help recovering cancer? I would say the red sea salt, do your bath salts. Get in there. If you were a diver or a surfer and you went into the ocean and you're going into crystal clear waters and you know that there's coral reefs in there that are microfilters that are making it clear because they need clear water to live too so the sunlight hits them right. So in surf that area, I get out of that ocean, no matter if I'm diving or I'm surfing, I could be in there for eight hours, 10 hours, and I do not have any kind of fatigue where I'm so tired that I, that was something that just wore me out. I come out fully energized. So it's kind of like, are these guys You feel better in less polluted waters? You feel that energy, a higher effect is as well than say. I've been to Flagler and Cocoa Beach to surf, but honestly, just getting out of the ocean, like you felt like you could kind of do it all day. You didn't really need to eat. And I got four to five hours of sleep every night and was excited up, get ready in the morning to do it again. Right. And imagine going to the best ocean and the cleanest ocean in the world. You're going to get times the amount of energy. It's kind of like going into your, your 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 uh your anti hangover place to get these drips or if you're okay. food, yeah. it, when you get you know an oxygen IV, bar yeah or IV you know you're gonna mm-hmm. feel that so you can do it through your skin cells but you have to soak not like for 15 minutes you'd have to go and say okay listen I'm gonna turn on some music. I'm going to throw in this sea salt. I'm going to warm up the bath and I'm going to sit in that bath for, you know, hours. You're not going to come out there waterlogged. You're going to come out energized because your body's going to use what it needs to like a sponge. And it's going to, it's going to align all the cells and it's going to react. Okay. Well, we have, we have some bad cells over here, but you're actually giving your good cells. It's optimal powers to kind of fight the bad cells because that's what your body has like a bad cell, which is a grand positive mm-hmm. cell coming across that causes okay. like your staff. And then you have your gram negative cells and they, they're fighting. And then you have these enzymes in between that actually help the good cells so that your good cells usually do the winning. And those but, enzymes are found in salt, salt water as well. Yes, it is. The, it's in your salt water. The enzymes like lysozyme is found in, you know, your salt water system in your body, in your saline, your eyes, your um, your saliva, your tears, your urine, your sweat. And between- yeah, I've heard 
uh, I, it recommended to me by my massage therapist that to take Epsom salt baths, but to allow the bath to get colder because your body absorbs um, a lower temperature water better than it does a high temperature one. Is no. that, is there anything to that or? Am... No, no, no. Okay. When you're absolutely in kind of a normal you don't feel like you're sick. Maybe you have a disease or you have something like the, the, the cancer and the chemo. You want to go on a warm bath. Why? Because that's going to calm your body down a little bit better than cold. You're getting okay. cold. You're going to be freezing. There's all kinds of like stress. You want right. of un like calming helps your body align itself to where you don't stress out the body. And then your brain starts ticking away and says, okay, send out the good army. We're good. And we're going to kill that bad bacteria problem or that bad disease. And that's the way it's going to work. And I'm not saying it's going to kill cancer. I'm telling you, you're just going to mineralize your body to where you feel good. And you're giving your body a little bit of strength because that's what your body's made up of. Even the food that you eat is because it fed off the ground of wherever, like a cow eats the grass and the grass takes the minerals from the ground and it transfers, all the cells transfer what it needs to. And it created this vitamin and it created all these minerals in it. It's like if you're looking for proteins in a, in a vegetable, you're going to try to find this type of vegetable, you know, it has more higher protein in it, or you're looking for iron, Oh, well, I'm going to eat, you know, broccoli and I'm going to eat this, you know, so. Well, I think I'm not looking for iron because uh, you, you already said it's linked to hair loss. Yeah, you don't need it. You need now I'm going back to look at like what I do have iron coming in and see if I need to limit that so I can have my full lush head of hair again. Yes, you need a, you need a, you need a balance. I mean, of uh, everything. So you don't want to take overly anything. And if you're tending to get hair loss you need to eliminate that if you're a man but if you're a woman body actually bleeds it out and that's how it gets rid of it so the women need actually more um iron you know how you you okay. probably heard you know women need to take iron pills because iron actually kind of is stored in your blood and men don't bleed that much not they shouldn't they don't bleed ever like the women so they store it and they store it and the body doesn't get rid of it that easy. But there is something that you could take that, you know, the turmeric that will get rid of iron. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Right on. So, I mean, there's nutritionists out there that help you out and understand that. And I have to. Yeah. Well, the turmeric something I was taking that I found actually helped with my knee pain for a while there too. Turmeric with some pepper. A lot of good stuff in that too, as well. But, you know, <laughs> I through all these because of pretty much life experience. My brother, younger brother had cancer uh, okay. probably 15 years ago. So I put him through, you know, we're going to do sea salt baths. We're going to do the mouthwash, the mouthwash. You know, when they do chemo, they can't even drink water. They can't drink Gatorade because it tastes like metal. It changes their oh. taste in their mouth. Okay. I didn't know that. You Did do the sea salt help bring it back to a normal uh, taste kind of range. It builds, it builds up strength in your in your taste buds, and your 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 tasting 
water now again you're tasting you know we're finding that all these things are so important now more and more like the intestinal lining um of our guts the uh microbiome of our mouth i've heard that this uh there's a study that shows that if you do a cardiovascular workout in the morning and then brush your teeth you'll negate the the effects that you would normally have from the cardiovascular workout meaning you need to brush your teeth first have a cardiovascular workout now your your microbiome in your mouth helps keep telling your body all day to have this response but if you change the biome in your mouth now by brushing your teeth with like a fluoride toothpaste it completely changes that of course you know and that's something that's also written in my book somewhere about the microbes um and how your oral microbes have to be perfectly leveled because you know tony olivas had blood poisoning and he had blood infection in his blood uh and they couldn't find out where it was and i told him gotta check your mouth it's the hidden death i mean in between your thumbs and your teeth you won't even feel the pain but it exists where there would be a pocket of infection going on underneath your tooth and uh oral surgeons are now starting to get a, a certain x-ray low um, ct scans in your mouth to find out if you have that so early detection of uh, diseases that are even linked to cancer are because of your mouth it's very important because that's where you're breathing in all this bad bacteria and everything um, you you could be having some lithium that's you know uh, in your basically fillings of silver they mix it in there that could give you psychological problems um is that is that what it is is yeah. that what i can blame it on now can i get a better parking space <laughs> yeah you know um there's boron boron's one of the most important minerals that are found in in sea salt um you can't have life without that you know, but when we talk about these minerals too, as well, most people don't know what the main mineral is and it's carbon, you know, carbon, boron, and sodium yeah. are the main minerals that you need for life. You need water, life, and you need air. And the air has to be a mixture of air. The minerals have to be a mixture of minerals because too much of one thing can kill you. Right. Oxygen actually does kill you because uh, we all oxidize. Right. And uh, But it's also the thing we need to live. Take I mean, it away and we die. Yeah. You, you go Give in. It to us and we die. I mean, you, you have to mix the right type of oxygen and nitrogen and, and gases when you go diving. So by just learning to be a master diver, you have to know like, hey, if I'm going to go down for an hour in 110 feet of water, what mix do you want? And what's going to keep me alive? You can't go down there with just straight oxygen. You'll be dead in less than five minutes, just breathing straight oxygen. You know, so yeah. there, there's a lot of misunderstanding of what the body needs until you get into like diving, until you get into something like the Science of Sea Salt book um, and then manufacturing stuff for your skin and doing the lab studies um 
You know? Do you figure that you will have any courses or anything eventually on the on the science of sea salt here? Uh, this is this is a book that I'm going to be promoting and giving it to a chance to Macmillan to give to colleges and okay because it's a book that's a hefty it's oh. a good that's a book <laughs> we you know in the tattoo industry occasionally we'll see somebody that will come out with some kind of book that's a pamphlet nope. this seems like it's got an appendix All right you got glossary terms in the back do you yep we do yeah a big chapter uh got 70 professors in there um 30 different countries that contributed um i had to go through each one of the chapters figure out what pictures how to lay it out i had to edit everybody's stuff i had to edit so much because the whole idea was just write about sea salt you're a professor and you're a scientist, just write about CISA. Oh, I got it. But I didn't <laughs> want all to like give my chapter. And once I started getting a couple of them, there were like three that were the same chapter. And I go, I can't do right. that. So um, I gave them an option to, to do something um, that I thought would fill the book and flow right. And some of them had time to do it, it was during the COVID time. Some of them didn't. Um, but they all wrote in the beginning, you know, the earth is 70% salt water. The body is 70% salt water. You know, I'm like, oh, right. you can't write that 50 times in the book, guys. So I have to kind of change your beginning. You know, I actually wrote that too as well. That <laughs> <laughs> it's in there that you like, everybody pretty much starts on the same page, but we kind of had to use some artistic license. Yes. And then, you know, the main thing with this thing is to see how many people wrote about the red sea salt. That was like, wow, I knew it. Really? A lot of people, yeah. I wrote about the red sea salt and I, and I said, this is awesome. You know, be finding it to be that much different. And it is. And it really kind of opened up my mind after that, that I, when I created this whole book that just basically there's a lot of great minds out there. I don't know any of these authors. I never met them except for a couple um, that I know that are here in the United States. Um, but it was the amazing. Geeks for salt. Yeah, it was sea salt. I was geeking out, man. I'll tell you. Hey, that. Like, they just come not come across, but there's a theory in the is gaining a lot of strength in the scientific community about the beginning of life that it most likely happened in a heavily dense um, high sodium concentration part of the ocean. Oh, like right. super high, like there, there's these pockets of high levels of, of salt, I guess, in places. And they find that there is such, it, now that we're able to, to explore them better, they're finding there's such uh, vast life and micro uh, organisms there that, that, they imagined that that could have been where we began yeah. where all life began. Yeah. And I hope we, um, not to make people go and dive with sharks or go to the red sea <laughs> and see it and, and vacation there. I hope that this book educates people how important it is to try to keep it away from the, the, the human consumption. Mm -hmm. 
and 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 just keep it because that's well, you as an entrepreneur have to walk that line all the time. I heard it in some of you like, please recycle. But the way you were passionate about that, I see that you're also having to make a choice at one point. You're like, do I want people to buy this because of the people and the other that I have to compete with has to keep it in a certain price range. And if I do certain things that I would love to be able to do, figure out some kind of weekly cardboard packaging or something that, you know, that would just have product going bad all the time or something. Right. But would be really costly. You have to be able to make it inside of uh, the consumer's grasps to have any real hold or sway over These are choices you have to make all the time, I'm guessing. Right. And I made a choice, you know, like even in the beginning, there was a lot of people asking how much salt do you use or where do you get your sea salt from? And mm -hmm. I was trying to learn my, my patent, trying to copy mm -hmm. me. There's already three people copied me, you know? Right. Not too many more will copy me after I had gotten, you know, a little bit bigger and bigger and, and went after them. But uh, I didn't tell nobody. You never heard me hear, hear me talk about, like, the importance of my H2 Ocean product was because of the sea salt. That's what makes it different. I just mm -hmm. said there's salt in there. That's it. You know, and then I, I felt like now I need to educate because there's so much wrongdoing going out there and I'm going to do it in the right way, you know, to where I could create the project blue green educate and then do this, this book storytell, um, get our website up and make it, you know, um, how we're an ocean friendly product and company and want this movement to go bigger, not just for myself, but for the benefit of all life on this planet Earth. What um, is how do we follow the blue green movement? Well, I mean, my my h2ocean.com is going to have blogs. It's going to have facts. It's going to have links to the other companies that I own. I own Ocean Aid. That's in the, the medical field now for diabetic wounds. I have hair care. Um, I have veterinarian care, animal wound care made from ocean ingredients too. Um, and then I also have the, the companies that I believe following the same path, uh, list them as ocean friendly products with the project blue green and the project blue green is going to be a nonprofit organization. And I'm going to put a board together. That's going to be other than me. Um, and we're going to fund it and we're going to, we're going to create, um, a scientific team, which they'll, they'll be up on our website too, as well, that will know just from my validation work of, you know, what ingredient is harmful. Like even people that think that, oh, you need to get a, a sunscreen with zinc. Well, right. too, zinc is not good either. You know, well, that's that's the and there's there's um so this this board then would possibly have lists where people like myself, just as consumers could follow and hopefully have links that might show certain products that may or ingredients of products that I may not want in my body or to use. Yeah, we're going to start off with with some of the negative ones to watch out for mm -hmm. just the harmful ones. And we're going to explain why those harmful um, ingredients are bad for the human 
body and also for other life on earth and the oceans. Then oh. we're going to go in and create, you know, these logos that um, will be able to kind of license out to the products that uh, follow our guidelines. Past make- mustard. Mm-hmm. So we're going to create something like that, but we're also going to, we're going to continue with, you know, the art world, the observational world, Dino Cooks and the Greg Pipers and the uh, Guy Harveys that are, you know, discovering things in the ocean. And we're going to do little, little movies and videos that are going to create, you know, um, why is the salmon shark? What's the fastest shark in the world? Um, every everybody thinks it's the mako shark. Well, I mean the salmon shark, which looks kind of weird, but it's in Alaska, has been known to go fifty-five miles an hour. I've never even heard of a salmon shark, so that shows my lack of knowledge there. And how many people <laughs> actually get in that water in Alaska water to dive? So we didn't even hardly discover that, you know. I follow, yeah, because who so, wants to go in the cold stuff? Right. Everyone wants to go in the warm stuff. So there is scientists out there that are going to be part of, like, my scientific team that I'm going to be putting together. And I've met these guys, and they have the same kind of passion as me. So we're going to create So this, this. is well beyond aftercare for tattoos. This yeah. is aftercare for the world. Yeah, it is. It is current it, care. It's to change. My whole idea was to change and to give my kids and to give some other people um, some, you know, hey, let's go out and discover and be inventors of the next new thing that's natural. That we're right. going. Yeah. But we also need some guidelines so that as we discover, we can. I find this out today. Uh, what is it? Um, reading articles. They like to keep me doomed and depressed. Commercial uh, dish washing machines that typically use a commercial dish drying agent, alcohol exalothylate, left something, I don't know. But whatever it is, it's often in a residual on the dishes that we eat from, and it can actually cause chronic diseases in our, our gut biome. They've, they've just researched this through a Swiss study. And yep. These kind of micro things. So, like, if there are lists of those things, then we can, like, your your making, then people will not use them in their products as often. We won't find them as often in our products. We'll be educated about it. We'll make better choices about our products because of the the information that we'll then know. But until people even know that they're, you know, that they're having this alcohol on their dishes from the cafeteria and it could cause them to end up with uh, you know all sort of colitis or whatever and i tried to think right away i'm like oh well i guess i'll serve it on a styrofoam plate give me it to go but now you're eating hot food on styrofoam can't imagine that's better yeah just like the the artificial dyes of the red the blue the red especially right and there's a yellow one now too i didn't know about a blue one that was so bad the red, the blue, it's it's actually causing child brain development to slow down in depression. So, um, you know, like when you have that, then you have a weaker minded child. And, and guess what? 
all the cereals, all the all the food and drinks, they all did that for marketing purposes. And they fucked right. up. Really, they don't know what the hell they were doing. All Anything that has not been... That's why I don't use dyes in any of my stuff. And I know that because when I did first put it in my mouthwash, I went to, uh, you know, I go to these big events where they, they gather all the minds of, you know, scientists. They invite me over and then they want to evaluate my products and say, hey, you know, uh, you want to be a part of this this association. And they said, you can't do that. And I said, why? And they're like, it's dangerous. And then, you know, of course, they were ahead of their time and then came out in the news. But they still don't have a big enough following to kind of give everybody that warning. And plus, the food companies and these other big companies. That's what I was wondering. There's someone wants to keep it down, too, right? So they, 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 they have the news articles kind of just, you know, like washed away. Yeah, well, they can also, if I'm not, one thing you can do that I see a lot of sometimes is you write an article that will take the place of the article that might have the important information in it. So you fill up the sea of Google searches, if you will, with a bunch of happy-go-lucky articles and, and you kind of Google wash. Is that <laughs> is that a thing? There definitely, um, and Google really runs the whole world of information out there. So, you know, using certain keywords and stuff like that, you have to be careful. You know, um, I'm sure they actually pay to to eliminate some of those articles that might damage some of the big companies that are paying, you know, millions of dollars just to advertise because that's where they're getting it. And the small companies like me. I haven't really even thrown any ads out there, you know, like uh, I I tested a couple of ad dollars out there and I'm like, oh, I spent $250 to make $250. Why should I do that? Now I only have $250 yeah. put back into my company. Well, I you think know? you are uh, one of people who recognize the, uh, the, the genius of advertising to tattooists to get the product in the hands of the clients because we will tell them what's good and we to did to the and, professional use and mm-hmm. also going there and meeting with you guys and you know saying yeah. you got to try this stuff out and the, you know and if you follow the directions you'll see the difference and if you don't see the difference i'm here to answer any question that you might have too as well so like i'm not going to bullshit you so I'm available and hopefully my customer service is available to be the best customer service they can. And I don't think they are educated enough. So I have to put a little more, you know, effort into my, my books, my websites, and some of these videos that I'm going to be doing too. To well, something of- like this, this book, that's, I guess, kind of what surprised me. I don't, and maybe I'm not understanding it. Maybe if you get in McMillan, but this is, all of this is a big gamble because I it had to come at a large expense of of some sorts, right? Is this all? It, it took a lot of your time, and there's not like an immediate audience. It's not going to end up on the New York Times bestseller list, right? It's. It, I, I hope I'm not. You're you know, dropping the bomb on you. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be. I think I have to get it into McMillan or Taylor and Francis, which is the two. But it's uh, all passion. 
every bit of it that that's kind of some of the part that's the most admirable about it is that for you to decide and see that this is needed information and even that there might not be uh, a immediate return your return on investment is not guaranteed here exactly it's 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 also a thought when i was doing this that it's published now and it's got a lot of great authors in there even the past nih natural branch chief of the nih david newsom so he's retired now but he wrote a chapter in there and i would hope that with names like that and all the professors that they would want to teach it. And I, I mean, since I sent it out last month to all the professors that wrote in there, I think uh, close to 10 of them already kind of wrote a really long thank you email back that they, they loved it. And they're going well, to exciting. Going to try to get it into their schools. So it's not even just worrying about Macmillan getting it into the United States schools, but they're already asking me, you know, can I teach this in, you know, in Egypt? Can I teach this in? Awesome. So, well, this uh, was what you wanted immediately because we talked earlier that everything that a doctor knows that for you to get a product that could help save lives into the doctor's hands, it has to be in a textbook first and they have to be taught it. Yeah. And here we are now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here we are. Seems pretty exciting. Oh, very exciting. We kind of just jumped all over the place. And I wanted to then say, man, you know what? The seesaw thing that I started, really, I understand it the most. I have a patent on it. And let me just focus on this thing right now. And I'm doing really well with it. So then the passion in the ocean is not going to go away. So I created yeah. other stuff where I was growing corals faster than the ocean could grow the corals when I was in the aquarium business and I met some guys that were, were building certain filtration systems that no one else had. And we didn't patent it. And then it became the protein skimmer all, all over the world that people were using. Um, we were one of the first ones to put that out of Pompano beach. And now I have another one that I'm actually going to do with a guy in Japan um, we're going to use that too, as well, to uh, help the actual oceans and uh, the dead zones come back alive. So you're actually going to use these, what we would use in an aquarium. Yeah, in in, in, in kind of the biggest like, aquarium in the world, in an ocean. But we're not going to do it in the middle of the ocean because the middle of the ocean seems like it's going to be fine. It's usually like land-based, locked-in, intercultural right. uh, places like, that see the most interaction with pollution. Pollution. Those are the places that we're going to have to do. And, that, and, and you know what? The coral reefs are always in shallow waters. So if we don't take care of the, the shallow waters where we can take care of it, we're going to have a big problem. You know? Okay. It gets so out to the big ones then. Yeah, so I think that's going to be a big need, and uh, I'm going to probably bring something that I that I had in the lines of the medical field, um, 
And then we're going to come out with a new book possibly too, as well. I'm going to try to reach out to some of these other doctors that I'm going to be meeting with to Mm -hmm. start another book. So that's, that's what the future has for H2 ocean in my mind. Um, And, you know, I'm not in a rush to do the next book though, because that was a lot of work. Right. And this one still has to see its legs. And if you dedicate yourself to the next one before you really, because you you do more than one facet of your business. I see you were sales of some sorts and managerial as well as a product and technical, right? Marketing. Yeah. It's not something that you see that often. I know that you eventually replaced what you were doing, but you have knowledge of all those things. I mean, how many conventions I've done, I uh, wish I could turn on the, the video for you guys and and you'd see all the badges that I have from or the passes that I have from all all the uh, conventions I, I mean at one one uh one year I did I think 32 conventions that's, that's a lot it's like every other week I was coming home for two two or three days to change out mm-hmm. uh, a, a luggage and go back out you know it's a lot of work you looking forward to doing it again you don't have to do anything like that to promote the book though do you no but there's a couple of these guys that are in in the book too one of the shipbuilder in india he's gonna fly me in a private jet to, to talk in front of his his college that he and he's part of so um I'm looking forward to doing some of those talks too as well so we'll see what, what do you what do you talk about there just again h2 ocean we're going to be talking H2O. the science of sea salt book to all these colleges. And there's going to be a Indian guy that's going to go with me and he's going to have a translator. Um, and he said that we're probably going to do it in probably three different countries, um, maybe four places. Um, I think I'm going to be going to. Is the, this like a book tour? <laughs> is, is this similar to a book tour? It's going to be kind of similar to a book tour. Or so, um, kind of combining it into uh, like my product that's going to come up pretty big and fast is the uh, the mouthwash. So I'm actually going to go talk. Um, in a are semi- you the only patent? I'm I'm just realizing now. I bet I've never seen another mouthwash with with sea salt in it. Are you the only patent for that? I am, but there's two companies that have it now. Um, but I'm the one actually making one of the other companies' um, brand, and it's in CBS, the sea salt okay. oil rinse. That's that's my brand. That's just my formulations for theirs. Uh, Walgreens, I had my own product in there. Now they started making it with somebody else in Canada, but that's going to change. And once the lawyers get a hold of that, and then. Okay. Uh, then there's one other one, Jason's, that's been kind of infringing, um, which we're going to go after. So there's not that many, um, but the original ones, the H2 Ocean, you know, and it's a better formulation, tastes better. Um, I I can't stand some of those natural mouthwashes that they have out there, and they're well, if, right. if you. I don't know if ever if you have tonsils. I don't run to so many people that got them anymore. Kids are keeping them now more often. But um, if you have them, uh, that sea salt—that's a lifesaver. You're—it's uh, 
so it's um i was a kid i was with i was getting tonsillitis every i don't know four to five times a year right and uh and it, it you would have to use table salt to try and gargle with and it would work it would help but it dried out your throat and left it so raw and, and you know gross feeling and um i was getting sensitivity in my teeth from drinking cold beverages it would just shoot a shock of pain through my teeth and i started rinsing with sea, your sea salt uh the lemon god that stuff's so good i just thought it was maybe the lemon in it at first because it made my throat feel so much better um than than before and th but it also had the effect of now my teeth weren't uh getting shocks of pain in them every time i would drink cold wa cold water yeah i mean you're getting your your oral ecosystem with your microbes and everything like that back to healthy good cells and you know you're gonna be good just keep using it so that's your product that you're uh bringing to your speech speech in india that you're kind of promoting yep. around with then and then in in, in florida here, here i'm gonna hit um a natural product anti-aging and then uh the past oh what uh, you gonna keep me younger on what do you mean well no it's it's a anti-aging uh symposium with all okay. these so i'm gonna be talking about that too as well in there that's where i learned a lot of some certain ingredients is from some of these anti-aging natural uh expos okay. uh, but i'm gonna be doing a seminar there and i got invited also to uh, talk at the past president ADA of the ADA, the American Dental Association, which is a big thing to try to work on getting a, um, a mouthwash that will be approved by the ADA, which will be another little label change to put their, their, um, that's pretty big. And that's big because they were, when we hit them up before they were like, it don't have fluoride in it. Nope. Don't have fluoride. In it. Would nope. you put fluoride in it? I'm not yeah. a big fan of fluoride. Oh, no. Fluoride. It, you could get fluoride and you only need it when you're younger um, for your teeth. You could get it from drinking regular water, tap water and everything like that. But there's also in so many things like cereals that you don't know about um other foods that they're putting it in so you don't really need the extra fluoride um the couple of treatments when you're young by the dentist the fluoride treatment is enough right. that uh, nasty tasting bubble gum thing he puts in your mouth but even as an adult it, it, you don't need it anymore that's a myth and they're using more and more fluoride in tap water to clean our waters because there's so much chlorine in it so of course like you know, bottled water is a big thing too now. You right. know, nobody wants yeah, to drink. Yeah, well, I live in Flint. We don't drink. We don't drink the city water here. They put lead in it now. But uh, <laughs> I think that might mean that I've stayed too long and said too much. <laughs> now I'm starting to beg on my city. Yeah, right. But man, I really appreciate it because you to to uh, in in I've watched it. It's not even um in, uh, in my opinion what I'm about to say was in my opinion. You no, I've watched it. You carved out. You made an industry. Um, you made an industry. 
that was part of our industry that helped our industry greatly. You know, even if people aren't using your products, the competition that was created around that, because before then we already talked about where it was at. And now, um, man, every time you turn around a corner, there's somebody trying to put something on your tattoo. Yeah. And what I appreciate it. That's Mm -hmm. where I think, uh, you know, a little bit of education and going to some of these other websites that I'm building and, you know, some of these podcasts or even videos, maybe I could get a couple of people to realize that it's not that easy. Only 1% of the small businesses make it um, because they make it in a way that they learn from their mistakes and they're researching, even like the tattoo artists that are really good now and that are killing it. They're learning from, you know, DVDs or from somebody. Yeah, else. It's disgusting. I hate it. The, the better than me. They keep improving. It's like, damn, do I got to keep my game improving too. I'm a grandpa. I ain't got this time. Schools, yes. There should be, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, but taught by the right people and give them, you know, a class that's going to have them study for six months to a year, not, not a three day, you know, seminar or something like that. And they're going to learn a little bit, but they're really not going to, unless they kind of go home and they discipline themselves. And those people that discipline themselves will, will get somewhere and they will build up, but that's what it does. It takes well some- in this industry, it especially in America, we, we seem to go against universalized education for artists. There seems to be a real anger against them. Who was it? Um, Joey Hamilton started to put one together in Vegas, and yeah. uh, and then there was Bill Pogue's school of world world's only tattoo school or something like that. But it was kind of a piece of poo, and it didn't really help. So that has been, I believe, the taste over here. But now we see people everywhere overseas, just like you mentioned, good artists are doing, they're teaching people to tattoo. Yeah. Alex DePassi in the colleges, uh, Boris out of Hungary, A to Z tattooing. It's a whole course that you have to buy and it, it will make you practice and you have to go through it. You know, um, he's not going to give you a certificate. You don't earn a certificate until you do the course. And then you come and take a test with him live. You know, hmm. it sounds cool. It's just, uh, yeah. also it's basically, you know, if, if you have your self drive practice, 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 you can pretty much do anything, learn from your mistakes uh, don't think that you're egoistic and that you already learned enough. You know, like uh, I even see Dino Cook still thriving right now. Um, just still learning, taking it up a notch, learning, you know. Nice. Uh, well, brother, thanks so much, man. I, I, I hope everybody at home gets a little bit of education and you know, follow along on the website as we post content, or as you post content, I should say, so that we can continue to stay in tune with, uh, you know, what H2Ocean is doing for us today. Awesome. H2Ocean.com, man. Don't be after careless. Don't be after careless. 